Good morning, and uh, welcome back to Driving Theology. Uh, I guess you could say that about me as well. I've been uh, more or less on summer vacation and just haven't um, felt the need to record any podcast. Or really, it's not the need, it's the it's the uh, opportunity. It, I really have to have a... Uh, if I stay true to the format, which I try to, I need I need ample time in the car alone, or with somebody who would like to be on the podcast. Hmm. Sorry, I'm pouring coffee out of my mug and into my travel mug. My travel mug was still in the car. Uh, yeah, so. Anyway, I'm back to work. Summer vacation is over, more or less. This is the first week of September, and man, it's been an, an eventful summer, I would say. Uh, really didn't do a lot of traveling. The farthest I probably made it this summer was uh, a two or three hour drive away to a uh, prefecture called Kanagawa, which is where Yokohama is. You've probably heard of Yokohama, even if you haven't been in Japan. And drove through Yokohama and saw some friends out that direction and and uh, we had a little vacation time but mostly um, just being together as a family uh, at home Erica was home for the summer of course from school and uh, she was in driving school all summer she's 18 she's the legal driving age for Japan so she's got everything done except her written test so going to do that hopefully this next week. She will be driving. Uh, and uh, other than that, really not not a whole lot going on. Um, I'm about, I think, 20 pages from finally finishing the first volume of uh, Crucifixion of the Warrior God by Gregory Boyd. That's going great. Man, just learning tons of stuff there. Um, just just a paradigm shifter, really. Um, and I really haven't even gotten into the meat of it, which comes in volume two. Hopefully, by this time next week, I'll be... Or at least I'll have somewhat of a foothold in volume two. And I'll let you know how that's going. Which is where he starts to... Uh, really deconstruct the violent uh, depictions of God in the Old Testament and uh, viewing them again with the uh, cruciform hermeneutic uh, that he is championing. Championing. It's a very hard word to say, championing. Um, So yeah, uh, that's where that's going. Um, been able to do a few uh, outdoor things this week, which has been great. Um, I uh, got to. Um, I actually finally got a new mountain bike. My uh, wife finally gave in after trying to get one probably for the last 20 years, <laughs> and certainly for the last six or so. I've really. Uh, done what I could to get into a new mountain bike. Uh, the mountain bike I ride is uh, 
I've been riding it for the last, well, since we got it a year after, so about 21 years. And through that time, it obviously it's gone through some uh, changes and upgrades uh, from uh, just normal uh, forks to suspension forks and to another set of suspension forks and through various um, handlebar configurations. Uh, we even stripped it down and repainted the frame. Um, and uh, new seat. The only thing I think that that uh, until a few weeks ago, the only thing that was original on the bike uh, were the rims and the, uh, actually I, I replaced the, uh, they call them derailleurs. I replaced the derailleurs probably six years ago, maybe seven years ago. Uh, but the, uh, the wheels, the frame, the seat post, and the shifters and brake levers. That was about all that was left that was original. And then uh, a couple weeks ago, I went ahead and replaced it, uh, replaced the um, shifter brake levers. And so now the only thing that's original are the wheels, the frame, and the seat post. Um, everything else has, down through the years, been changed. But the reason I thought I needed a change was that the bike when I bought it was really too large for me. It's a it's a big frame. Uh, if you don't know, uh, road bikes, mountain bikes have sizes. Now the wheel size, until recently, was pretty consistent. The uh, there's actually frame sizes that fit your frame size. <laughs> um. Anyway, I got into a bike that was, uh, you know, a better measure for me. Also has all newer stuff, newer gearing, uh, lighter weight. Um, it'll it'll just be less of a hassle to ride, I think. And it's been great so far. I've ridden it about four or five times uh, for some distance, three times on the road, which it's not really made for, but still it does better than my other bike did. And, and then now uh, twice on some mountain roads, uh, dirt, gravel roads, which has been great. Uh, on the two off-road times I took my dog with me and he was off leash and it was just just a joy to see him running free uh, around the bike and just um, being able to stretch his legs so to speak uh, but theologically I think I'm just going deeper and deeper into this problem of, of violence uh, and God how, how does the New Testament God and the Old Testament God reconcile to each other um, and especially the violent depictions in the Old Testament and, and the peacefulness of Jesus in the New and uh, this is something that uh, is a problem and, and you know I've been uh, I've done various things throughout the years to to justify this um, I even recently had to go as far as to say, well, the Bible isn't inerrant. Uh, the Bible does fail to be truthful about God in many aspects. Uh, and I had to really think about what God breathed meant. And I'm still there with all those, actually. I'm not, I haven't, I haven't come down yet on any, um, 
resolved position on what infallible, inerrant, and God-breathed or inspired means, uh, and how it how it um, actually boils to the surface uh, with uh, the Bible, especially the Old Testament. But there's some things in the New Testament too that um, you you have to wrinkle your eyebrow at and wonder how in the world, uh, for example, does Paul saying that he wishes people would emasculate themselves. How in the world does that uh, show a love your enemy uh, type of attitude? So, um, reading the Bible with this fresh perspective uh, is really adding so much depth. And to tell you the truth is raising God at much higher, much higher level uh, than ever before. Uh, I now feel like he is much more worthy of honor and praise uh, and worship and submission than, than ever before. Um, in other words, he is better, he is more good uh, than I ever imagined he was. Um, and so it's been kind of a, a de-corrupting uh, process that I'm going through with the character of God. Um, and it's happening more at the heart level. I think I always knew what to believe about God from, from the mind, from the head level. Um, but this... This... Uh, new paradigm really is adding to um, the goodness of God. He's better than I ever imagined. Which is good news. <coughs> Excuse me. So yeah, um, I think we all uh, face different difficult questions that are presented to us by people who are non-believers or at least skeptical about parts of the Bible and I would encourage you not to dodge those questions. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry about the coughing. I've come down with the cold the last several days. I'm getting over it but my throat's still a little bit ticklish. Yeah, so, uh, this cruciform hermeneutic is just amazing. It's incredible, uh, so far. And here again, I've only been introduced to what it is. I haven't been, uh, introduced to what it looks like when applied to the violent depiction, depictions of God specifically. Uh, but in theory... The theory speaks to me. It, it rings true. Um, so I would recommend Boyd's work. And I just found out that he, he released a second work after after this, uh, this gigantic work on the same subject. So it may be a little bit more accessible. Uh, it's definitely shorter. 
Uh, I haven't started uh, listening to it yet, but I did, did get it on Audible. And so uh, at some point I'll start listening to that, uh, but I'm gonna have a hard time remembering what it's called. So uh, if you're interested in that book, which I have a feeling is a uh, simplified version of uh, Crucifixion of the Word of God, uh, I just recommend you going to Amazon and, and looking at his newest work. Uh, it has kind of a similar color theme uh, to the Crucifixion book, um, but it's about the, the cruciform hermeneutic. Uh, and I suppose it's going to be a summary of, of this work. This work is some 1,492 pages, I think I heard him say. And I'm only at, at page 600-something, uh, so I'm less than halfway there. Uh, yeah, I recommend you uh, pick that book up. I, I think it's it's one of the in this day and age. If it, it's what's needed, it, it's it's man, it's a, a special revelation of of God that is just right for this time, uh, and it needs to be embraced by many believers. We need to stop dividing ourselves between Jesus. meek and mild, and uh, the world uh, violent and angry. Um, and this is so that the name of Jesus will, will have integrity. Um, because when we act in ways that reflect poorly on Jesus, uh, we don't represent him accurately to the world. And we are going to be the, the first taste of Jesus to the world. And so that will never be perfect reflections, uh, at least in this life. Um, but we can be better reflections. And this is not judgmental. This is not condemning. Uh, not anything that has to do with salvation. Uh, we are all, like I said before, poor reflections when it comes down to it of Jesus. But like it or not, we are the entry level to relationship with Jesus. Relationship with believers is how people uh, go on to have relationship with Jesus. Um, so knowing him better uh, will help us trust him more, which will then, uh, I think, transfer to us living a more Christ-life existence on this on this rock, um, and that's a good thing. It's a great thing. Man, what's going on with you guys? I I have uh, haven't really been following much. Um, as far as uh, what's going on with SoundCloud or or, uh, or um, iTunes, I don't know if you guys have uh, made any. Um, sorry, I'm kind of having trouble finding my words. Uh, left any messages for me or anything like that? I'll try to get on that. And uh, if you haven't, man, I would love for you to. I'd love to hear from you and hear your comments on on things that I'm saying and and. Uh, 
suppose I could have a better Facebook presence on the Driving Theology page, which I'll try to do. Um, but if this isn't worthwhile to you, um, or if maybe you feel like I'm I'm uh, going down a path that that uh, is uh, in error or maybe not relevant, uh, I'd love to hear that. You know, what whatever. Um, Um, yeah, I've been on Facebook a lot the last couple weeks. I mean a lot, way more than I should be. But but man, things and conversations are just happening that, that it's been hard for me to pull myself away from. Uh, and mostly it's been on this subject of violence. There There is a growing presence of people embracing uh, the non-violent Christ recognizing uh, that Jesus calls us to a life of uh, renouncing violence and this is a great thing you know this is a this is a wonderful thing I still don't think it's as prevalent as it needs to be I think it's still a you know people a lot of people still don't buy it um, but it's something that that needs to needs to be said, um, and there are, there are more and more people that are, that are engaging the subject, and, and I think that's a wonderful thing. Um, I think it's it's the best thing that, that could happen. You know, people starting to to wrestle with God over this, um, wrestle with the scriptures, um, because in doing so, uh, I think we we become somewhat more open to what God is really saying in the scriptures uh, old and new and so I would say yeah wrestle man wrestle with the scriptures try to uh, ask those hard questions and, and don't give up on them keep asking the questions and you might want to refine your questions to better questions um, <clears throat> sometimes you're not looking for an answer, you're just looking for a better question. When you find a better question, you tend to get closer to better answers. Uh, yeah, so that's been going on on that front. Uh, on another completely unrelated topic, I'm about to perform Andi Ferne Geliebte which is a song cycle by Beethoven. Uh, if you didn't know, I'm also a uh, struggling artist. Uh, I am a vocalist. And I've got a concert coming up this uh, next Sunday afternoon. <clears throat> and uh, this, uh, this piece uh, is, the, the music is by Beethoven, but the uh, poetry was commissioned by him so the poet, uh, who actually penned the words, uh, is not Beethoven. But a lot of people believe this song cycle to be autobiographical, uh, as well as a few other pieces that he's written, especially his songs, um, because they go hand in hand with, with uh, rumors and innuendo that have circulated about Beethoven over the years, uh, having a, a love, a, someone who 
uh, he was very much in love with, who he was not able to be with. And so how this, this title uh, translates is uh, to my far away beloved or, or my beloved who is far away. Even if you could maybe even translate it as uh, unobtainable or, uh, you know, love lost, if you will. Uh, but there was a there was a letter um, by, by by Beethoven that was found in his in his belongings after he died that apparently had never been sent. Anyway, it was a letter by him to his. Immortal beloved, and I can't remember the German word right now for immortal. Uh, but you may recognize that there was a movie back in, I want to say, 1993 or 94, called Immortal Beloved, which was about Beethoven, uh, and it was uh, he was played by Gary Oldman. Um, and it was a pretty good movie. I I don't know how autobiographical the movie is or how. Um, how on it is, it's probably no more accurate uh, than uh, Amadeus was about Mozart, which is another movie that I love, uh, but it was about this immortal beloved, and uh, this piece, I want to say, was written about, I don't know, 15 or less than 20 years before Beethoven died. Maybe about 15 years before he was died. I'll have to look that up. Um, and it's to my far-off lover. And basically, the setting—it's—it's uh, it's six songs, and the setting is uh, uh, more or less uh, in nature. And, and if you know your your history of the Romantic period in both art uh, and music. Uh, it was it, there was a lot of uh, natural themes in it, uh, equating uh, things in nature such as rivers and leaves and flowers and trees, and mountains and hills and sky and clouds and sun, uh, and and depicting them in a very romantic way, uh, connected with um, uh, romantic love. So, the problem is, Beethoven isn't a true romantic. He's, he's sort of the bridge between the classical period and the romantic period. The, the bridge from, say, Mozart uh, to Schubert and Schumann. Um, but this piece very much does seem to be romantic. It's, it's very different from things that, that Mozart wrote uh, in subject matter. And I think that that translates into uh, the harmony uh, and the different um, choices he makes on key changes, for example. Uh, but th this depicts a, a lover, uh, a male, this is written for, for man, but I suppose women could sing it too, but why not, uh, sitting on the top of a hill and looking toward the land where he knows his lover is, knowing that he can't go there and she can't come to him. Uh, and and singing her a love song and and praying that the the breeze uh, would carry his his uh, love to her that she would know his love somehow 
that uh, nature would help uh, in portraying that love. Uh, and it's just a beautiful piece. It's 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 really inspired me to practice more and to uh, to work on it. It's been very challenging. Uh, I haven't tried to memorize this much German in a long time, and, and uh, being that it's six songs, uh, there's a certain amount of um, uh, stamina that's needed to, to perform this, and not to mention you try to stay true uh, to its historical context, uh, true to both the poet and the composer. Um, and uh, anyway, it's been a challenge, but it's it's kind of uh, it's, it's being a, a piece that's helped me kind of uh, be reborn in a sense. It's really um, inspired me to to practice more, and that's kind of a big deal. Uh, but lo and behold, uh, about a little over a week before I have to perform this, I come down with a bit of a cold, and that gives me. Uh, well, it seems to be a setback, but it actually is a call for me to rest and relax a little more, uh, which I was able to do over the weekend. And hopefully today I won't expand, uh, spend my voice too much in teaching, and I'll be able to uh, keep calm and not yell over the kids, uh, which I am wont to do sometimes. Um, I use my voice a lot in teaching, obviously, but... Anyway, so this piece, this this idea of love lost, uh, is something that that permeates human history, right? We we see it all down through uh, history. Um, this idea of uh, loving someone but being a, unable to be with them, whether separated by death uh, or by law or by geography, uh, uh, or whatever. This idea has always permeated, permeated I think, uh, human cultures. And I think of, uh, uh, let see if I can think of other ideas of, of love lost. I mean, it's all through the operatic tradition, obviously, but it's also in, uh, you find it in uh, the Bible even. And I would, I would say that probably this stems from the, the longing that we have uh, for other people, this romantic longing that we have, probably comes from the first and initial separation of God from man in the garden. Uh, that there's a part of us that always longs to be in intimate uh, proximity and contact with the divine again. That that is the, the natural human state uh, that we were created for. Uh, and I think that translates to being separated from those we love, whether it's family members, uh, husbands, wives, girlfriends, boyfriends, what, what have you. Uh, when we're separated, we don't feel that that's the natural way. We don't, we don't feel that that's natural. We feel that, no, being together, now that feels natural, that feels good. But the separation, when we're separated from those we love, 
there is a longing that takes place and it's really hard to describe um, it's not something that uh, I think needs to be described though I think we all feel it uh, we all feel uh, a, a deep sadness of the heart when we are separated from, from those we love uh, and so this is the value I see in art um, I think art has great value in reminding us uh, that everybody feels this way you know when when people listen to uh, or read or observe uh, a work of art um, I think we're all reminded that down deep we all have the same the same feelings the same longings the same needs uh, emotional and uh, spiritual and, and even physical uh, and it reminds us that we're all human that we are indeed uh, one race one human race um, and I think that's a great thing I think that's a wonderful thing to remember and to be reminded of uh, so Regardless of Beethoven's theology or his behavior, uh, um, I don't think it really matters because this this work of art, uh, I think, transcends both of those things. I think a good work of art does transcend the artist. Uh, the artist, uh, the artist, is of course very much a part of the work. But I don't think we have to judge the work of art on some uh, arbitrary standard that we hold the artist to. And the reason I'm saying this is because I think I think a lot of Christians tend to dismiss uh, non-Christian art and deny that it has any anything to say uh, to believers, that it could have anything of value to say to believers and I think this is just a waste uh, I think it's I think it's wrong first of all I think it's a waste I, I think art uh, good art especially can reflect uh, the image of God back into the world in some measure uh, despite who the artist is <laughs> uh, I think atheist artists uh, and really anyone can make great art that still shows how great God is you know um, if we still have any of that image of God in us I think it's it's natural that some of that would come out in, in ways that are beautiful and meaningful uh, and deep So I'm, I'm really happy to be, to be uh, connected with, with, especially the musical arts, um, and especially the, the classical uh, composers, because uh, many of them were believers, but not all of their works would be considered sacred works. But I learned some time ago to, to try to discard. Uh, and disregard talk of sacred versus secular. Uh, I've, I've just found it unhelpful. 
to make that uh, distinction. Um, people talk about how the world is is uh, becoming more and more post-Christian, more and more secular, uh, and I just don't see that at all. I, I, I think it's the opposite. I think there are some people that are going deeper and farther with Christ than than man has ever gone before, mankind has ever gone before, uh, and and I think it's a wonderful time to be alive. Uh, I think we are connected in ways that we've never been connected before, and our voices are being heard by more people uh, than have ever been able to hear them. And though there is a lot of noise out there, uh, I I like to hope that Jesus will always bubble to the surface uh, because of his beauty of his truthfulness and so I say to all of you artists out there whether you're a performing artist like myself or or a creative artist or a combination of the of the two and I say keep going don't give up um, keep reflecting God into the world uh, and in so doing I think uh, we help make this world a better place and that's a good thing it's a wonderful thing well I'm getting really close to uh, my uh, place of employment here so I'm going to have to uh, bid you all adieu or a wiedersehen or sayonara or adios Um, yeah, I'm glad to get this back up and hopefully we'll have another one up next week now that my schedule is going to be much more regular and who knows but that maybe uh, Driving Theology will even take a couple new turns um, that would be that would be great um, so yeah, feedback, please give me some feedback uh, I realize this uh format is very unconventional it's very raw uh, but here again that's that's why I do this I want it to be raw I want it to be real I don't want to sit in front of a uh, uh, you know computer screen or a Wikipedia or Bible.com and 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 uh, use those resources um, because I want to be able to do this on the fly I want to be able to talk to people uh, about Jesus without any crutches and I want to I want to see how it sounds right I want to see what it sounds like and if people if I make any sense at all you know I've said this many times but I do this for myself as much as I do it for you guys uh, and I'm not trying to be selfish like that maybe it is a bit selfish but it does it does help me because when I I try to listen to these again helps me decide what to say or, or how to say things uh, uh, better, more effectively, uh, and even maybe, uh, you know, correct myself at times. So anyway, thanks for listening and uh, enjoy this uh, autumn. Uh, hopefully it's cooling down where you're at. And to all those people in uh, Houston, uh, my prayers are with you guys. Uh, pray that you get all of, all of the help that you need um, 
ASAP. Thanks, you guys. Be good. Be safe. Bye-bye.